So, Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the truth message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that, that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your word. And we pray that uh, you would fill us with the knowledge of your will, uh, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding that we would live lives that are worthy of you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever feel spiritually flat in your Christian life? Maybe you're not a person who gets that way. <clears throat> but maybe sometimes you do feel that way. Uh, where the, uh, the joy and the excitement um, of knowing God can go up and down sometimes. Do you feel like that sometimes? And during those down times, it's, it's not hard to wonder whether there's something lacking, something missing um, in, your, uh, in your spiritual life. But you don't have to be feeling low spiritually to wonder if that's the case. Because uh, from time to time there will be um, Christian leaders who will emerge or uh, a movement will emerge amongst Christians which will um, be telling us that there's actually more to the Christian life than just Jesus and his death and resurrection. Uh, and it may offer a deeper kind of spiritual experience of God uh, or uh, provide a new teaching which can uh, provide you with the, the completeness which you may feel that you lack um, or that they claim that you lack. I was watching a video just the other day of, uh, uh, from uh, one of the uh, most um, celebrated churches in the world at the moment where the senior pastor was saying that uh, that the, the, ser the sermon used to be the central place 
uh, used to hold central place in their church services, but not anymore. He said, now God holds the central place. We've, we've done away with the sermon. We just come and we just experience God uh, as he claims that uh, God physically manifests himself in their church building uh, in the same way that uh, uh, God would manifest himself in the Old Testament temple. It's temple theology. But uh, they're offering that experience and people from all around the world are flocking there uh, to, uh, to just experience that, to experience God uh, in his fullness. And the, the teaching of God's word, the sermon, is just doesn't happen anymore. They're just all about God. And that's a, a current uh, expression of this. And it's not hard to see why some Christians are drawn to these movements um, or how it is that they can find their way into local churches. It raises questions, doesn't it? For example, what does it mean to be truly spiritual? And how can we be complete as Christians? Uh, these were questions facing the Colossian church. In fact, it's the, one of the key reasons why Paul wrote to them. Uh, we don't know the exact details of what's commonly uh, referred to as the Colossian heresy, but uh, when we get into chapter 2 in a couple of weeks' time, uh, it involves at least two things. Um, firstly, it's Christ plus the need for a special spiritual experience. Um, and secondly, it's Christ plus the need to obey certain rules and regulations and Sabbath days and food laws and so on. And if you do those things, if you've got those things, you've got the complete Christian life. That's a bit about what we know about the Colossian heresy. However, if you open your, if you open your Bibles at Colossians chapter 1, which, and look at one of the verses, a couple of verses we looked at last week in verses 6 and 7, uh, Paul reminded them that when Epaphras evangelised them, when Epaphras, who was one of them, took the gospel back to Colossae and he shared it with them, uh, Paul reminds them that what they heard was the, the gospel, what they heard was the gospel in some of its truth. Is that what it says? No, they, what, what they heard was the gospel in all of its truth. It's not as if uh, Epaphras sort of gave them part one of the message uh, just to get them off the blocks, but someone else had to come along and give them part two to give them fullness. No, what they heard was God's grace in all its truth. Now, in our passage today, in verses 9 through to 14, Paul wants them to know that he has been caring for them. He couldn't visit them in person, could he? And the reason for that was that he was in jail. I mean, you know, if someone's in jail, we should go and visit them. We don't expect them to come and visit us. It was physically impossible for him to visit them. Um, and so in verse 9, he told them that he had been caring for them still. And the way that you can care for someone when you can't be with them physically is to pray for them 
And Paul prayed for these Colossian Christians. What did he pray? Well, have a look at verse 9. For this reason, says Paul, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, what do you think? Uh, is Paul concerned that the Colossians um, should experience fullness? Is that his concern? Absolutely. It, it sure is. Uh, Paul is most certainly concerned that they should experience fullness, but his concern is that what they should be filled with is the knowledge of God's will. Now, how do we know God's will? Well, it's, um, we know God's will through God's word, don't we? Um, because God, through his word, speaks to us. God declares what his will is. And so this is a prayer. They would be filled with the knowledge of the scriptures, that is, the knowledge of the prophets and the, and the apostles, but not in a dry intellectual sense. I mean, it's, knowledge is one thing, isn't it? To have stuff shoved into your brain is one thing. But how does Paul say that they should be filled with this knowledge? Well, it's through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How much wisdom and understanding? All. There's that completeness uh, that uh, keeps on coming through in the language in this um, passage. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. What does he mean by spiritual? Uh, what do you think spiritual means? How would you, what do you think of when you think of a spiritual person? I guess that sometimes we, we can think of someone being spiritual if they, maybe if they kind of talk in a certain spiritual way. I've come across people like that or um, they have a certain presence about them that makes them seem very spiritual people. But in verses 10 to 12, in his prayer, Paul explains what this spiritual wisdom and understanding is going to look like. Take a look at verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. That, the, the, those words in order that are very important, aren't they? That's a purpose clause. Uh, here is the reason that we pray that you would have spiritual um, wisdom and understanding. The, the, there is a purpose in it, is that in order that you may live in a certain way. Um, actually, a more literal translation uh, is that you may walk in a way that pleases the Lord. And some of the older Bibles, such as the King James, um, translate it that way. It's a more literal translation from the, the Greek word. The Greek word is there, there is to walk. It means, it means the same thing as to live, but um, I kind of like the word to walk, don't you? Because it's, it paints a picture of in every step that you take, of walking uh, in a way that pleases God. Every step of life. See, it's not just about head knowledge. Spiritual wisdom and understanding is about knowing what pleases God through his word and then living that way. And now, last week in uh, verse 6, Paul said that the gospel was bearing fruit and was growing all around the world. 
at least the world as Paul knew it. But he also said that it was bearing fruit in, in their lives as well, in the lives of these Colossian Christians. And that should be no surprise to us because that's exactly what Paul has been praying for them. Paul has been, ever since he knew about them, even since that very day, he has not stopped praying for them that they would be bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. That is true spirituality. It's about knowing God and obeying him. Um, now, it's not rocket science in one sense, is it? It seems fairly simple, but it's actually, it's actually very hard. Um, this is hard work. Do, do you find it hard? I find it hard. To, to keep on growing in the knowledge of God requires um, discipline and it requires time and it requires effort. Um, it means reading your Bible um, regularly, daily at home. It means uh, getting together with other Christians uh, in church or on campus and at school to, to study God's Word together. Uh, it involves coming to church and listening to sermons and listening online and so on. It's, it requires effort. It requires time. It requires discipline. Now, do you think that Satan wants you to do that? Of course not. Um, he doesn't want your knowledge of God to increase. He wants your knowledge of God to decrease. He wants you to be ignorant of God and of God, what God's will for you is. And so he will try to lure you away from reading your Bible and studying it with other people and so on. Or he'll make you satisfied with just reading the Bible and finding that intellectually stimulating and not putting it into practice. Be, you, you can, be, many, many people around the world studying theology just out of intellectual curiosity uh, without actually desiring to sit under the authority of God's word and are satisfied with that. Because our knowledge of God has only one rightful purpose and that is to love God, to trust in him and to obey him. Which of course is, as I said, the hard part. Saying yes to God and no to sin requires conviction and strength. When you think about it, the standard of spirituality which is set by the false teachers is actually quite low. In one sense, it's very unimpressive. Uh, you know, they would be saying that if you want to be spiritually complete, then stop eating certain foods. Oh, I can do that. That's easy, <laughs> um, depending on what the food is, of course. Um, <clears throat> uh, or they would, um, you know, they, they would go on about their extraordinary spiritual experiences. And people are very impressed by that. There's, uh, there's a, a guy who has, uh, you know, allegedly um, done his own translation of, of the Bible. And uh, he claims that, uh, that God took him up to heaven. And he had a look around in heaven. And uh, that God um, told him that uh, our English Bibles uh, are wrong and that uh, he was sending him back to, uh, to us uh, in order to 
do a, a fresh translation of the Bible in English and that God uh, downloaded the information into his brain so that, you know, when he was doing his translation, it was just like he was, it was just coming out of him. And uh, it's published. Uh, you can buy it in, it's, it's featured in Christian bookshops all around Australia. Um, thousands of people are, are using it and are very impressed because he's had this spiritual experience that gives the, his translation of the Bible credibility. It's actually 50% longer in content than the actual Bible. <laughs> and, uh, but people are very impressed by that. And that's the easy stuff. Uh, I watched a um, famous televangelism. A, t- a famous televangelist uh, was on holidays in Canberra recently and they've got more TV stations down there than what we have. And uh, he was speaking to a crowd of many thousands of people and he told them that trusting in Jesus is the first step. And good on the mainstream churches for encouraging people to trust in Jesus. Um, but he was saying that there's something else, there's something more, there's a special spiritual experience of God which you also need and that he, which he could impart to them if they would just come on down the front. Now, and... Hundreds seem to have done that. I've been around long enough to know this man's story and to know that his ministry is a history of financial exploitation and scandal and sexual immorality, including him using prostitutes. But no, people are very impressed because of the spiritual experience that he is able to impart to them. Now, true spirituality is about how we respond to temptation. It's about how you live your life worthily of the Lord. And that's much harder. That's much harder. Indeed, by ourselves we can't do it. Which is why in verse 11, Paul has prayed Uh, that the Colossians would be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. Notice there again the completeness, that it's not uh, with a bit of God's power, it's with all power. Um, That is what's necessary uh, for us, uh, that that God gives us all of his power. That's the power we need. That's the power that the Holy Spirit gives us. And why does the Holy Spirit give us that power? Well, it's so that in verse 11, that you may have great endurance and patience and joyful thanks. How about that? The patience that we have comes from God's power. And the word endurance there is, is interesting. Um, it's, it's language from a battlefield. Uh, in the battlefield, when soldiers uh, take up a position and then they find themselves under constant enemy attack, but they, uh, they dig in. Um, they hold the position no matter what it costs them. And that's the word that's translated there as endurance. And that's what God enables us to do in the spiritual battlefield of this life. 
Uh, friends, a truly spiritual person is like that when it comes to knowing God and obeying him. Now, some people think, well, you know, patience and endurance, that's not very spectacular. It's, you know, it's not very, not very flash. Uh, there's got to be something more than that. But that's because they have not grasped the amazing ex spiritual experience that we have already received. What is the best thing that God does for us? What's the best thing that God has ever done for you? How about changed lives? Um, think about the Colossian Christians. Before they believed the gospel, what was their spiritual state? Let's just go forward to uh, chapter 1, verse 21 for a moment. Because there Paul describes what their spiritual state was before they became Christians. And he says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. How about that? Alienated, enemies, evil, that's who they were. They didn't know God, they were living in spiritual darkness and they were heading straight for hell. But now in verse 12 of today's passage, these very same people who were like that are now joyfully giving thanks to the Father who, Paul writes, has qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Uh, the word inheritance is interesting. It's uh, literally translated as allotment. And similar to in, uh, when Israel entered into the promised land and each of the tribes was given an allotment of land. Um, and it's because the, uh, the entry into the promised land, the promised land is a shadow of the reality which is our heavenly inheritance. Now what could be better than this? What could be better than being taken out of being alienated from God, being enemies of God uh, and uh, being evil in your behaviour to being someone who actually now has a share in the inheritance of God's kingdom? That's the greatest spiritual experience. In a few minutes we're going to be sharing uh, in the Lord's Supper where we remember that just as God had rescued Israel out of their bondage to slavery in Egypt and into the promised land, that we too have been rescued, that we too have been saved. Verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We're redeemed. Not by the blood of a, of a lamb, as in the Passover, but by the blood of God's own Son, as he paid the price. As he paid the price so that we could be redeemed out of the domain and the authority of Satan, who had rule over us, and forgiven our sin, so that we now belong to a different kingdom, a kingdom that is ruled by Jesus. Now, how good is that? Seriously, is there anything lacking in that? Is there anything that, you know, God's missed out on? Is there anything that we need to do to kind of, you know, complete it? No. Every so often, a different expression of this gospel plus heresy seems to gain traction in Christian churches. 
um, <clears throat> usually offering the you know, higher spiritual experience or some fresh knowledge from, from God. And uh, people, <clears throat> are, they, they, they flock to these movements, they're attracted for a while, and uh, then it fades away after a few years, and after a few years something else comes, emerges and takes its place. And if you've been lo around long enough, you know, I remember in the 1970s, the big thing was, um, you know, speaking in tongues, or what people thought was speaking in tongues. And then in the 1980s was the um, power healing and power evangelism, where all Christians are supposed to be able to heal people in the same way that Jesus did. Uh, then in the 1990s, it was the, the laughing revival, and everyone was flocking to Toronto in Canada. Um, to get that and to bring that back to their churches. And then there was a thing in Florida where people were flocking there and um, people were getting new gold fillings in their mouths. And these days it's the place where God fills the, the temple, the church building, and uh, all sorts of gold dust, you know, floats down and so on. And, uh, you know, you've been around long enough, you go, yeah, same old, same old, just packaged in a different way as if it's not enough to just trust in Christ. You know that it's false when the redemption and the forgiveness that we've already received in Jesus is not central. You know it's false because it'll take you away from trusting wholly in Christ and his death and resurrection. Um, a Christian friend came to me once <clears throat> and she had trusted in the gospel um, a few years earlier but now she was, life was getting a bit tough for her. There was a few complications in her life and she was feeling a bit down. And some of her friends told her that the reason that she was feeling that way uh, was not because there was just complications in life, but rather because she, although she trusted in Jesus, that she did not have the full experience of God. But if she came to their church, um, she could receive the special spiritual anointing the part two of God's blessing and everything would be fine. What would you say to her? Um, well, obviously, it's a, it's a longer conversation. But in the end, I said to her what I would say to every Christian who is tempted to look beyond the gospel for the fullness of God's blessing. And that is, don't look beyond Christ's death and resurrection, look back to Christ's death and resurrection and consider what it means. Um, reflect on it, meditate uh, on the fact that God the Son came into our world and God the Son was prepared to become sin for you. That God the Son bled and died on a cross that he became the atoning sacrifice that because of what God the Son has done for you that you are now God can now look upon you as being someone who is spotless and blameless in his sight that he's done that for you that he's forgiven you all of your sin and that he's made you his child and he now shows you how you can walk in a way that is worthy of him, the way that you were created to live. And you've now got this eternal inheritance that you don't look past Christ. Don't look 
beyond him to other things, keep on looking back to Jesus and stick to him, stick to the gospel and keep on growing in your knowledge of God. Keep on studying his word and meditating upon his word and keep on relying on the strength that he gives you by his spirit in the battlefield of this life. Now, it's, it's not especially flash, but that is true spirituality. That's what Paul prays for these Colossians who are being uh, threatened by false teaching uh, on the fringes of the, their church life. Finally, this passage also helps us in our prayer lives. Um, when we pray for one another <clears throat> and for others whom we love, such as our families and so on, what, what are the sorts of things that we pray for? I know what I pray for. We often pray about immediate needs, don't we? Um, such as jobs and um, relationships and healing from sickness and, and so on, as we should pray for those things. Um, Philippians 4, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything bring your petitions to God. Uh, God wants to hear from us about the, the ordinary and the um, immediate things of life. They're good things to pray for. And I pray for issues like that just about every single day, particularly for healing for people I, whom I love. But what is the greatest need that we all have? Well, regardless of the circumstances of life, our ups and our downs, and how we might feel about things, our greatest need is to keep on being filled with the knowledge of God's will so that we would live lives worthy of him, growing and bearing spiritual fruit. That's our greatest need. And Paul's prayer for the Colossians is a really, really good model for us. It's the sort of prayer that you could pray for the entire congregation. If you want to pray for someone in church and you don't know what's going on in their lives, pray for that. If you do know what's going on in their lives, pray for that as well. Uh, it's the sort of prayer that we can be praying for members of our families and for people we love. I know parents who pray every single day that their children would know God, would love God, would work, walk worthily of the Lord and be fruitful in ministry every single day because it expresses what is truly important. And friends, God uses our prayers to change lives and to shape the lives of others with all of his power. And that's why Paul says that uh, ever since he heard about the Colossians, he's not stopped praying for them. He has not ceased to pray for them and to pray these things. So I just want to leave you with this encouragement, um, perhaps even this week, to use the content of this prayer um, to shape your prayers for others. Uh, in fact, let's do that right now, shall we? Let's bow in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for Jesus, that uh, through him that we have been redeemed, that we have been forgiven, 
and we have been brought into his kingdom. We pray that you would enable us to get to know you better through your word. Lord, not that we would be intellectually satisfied by that, but rather that we would live lives worthily of you, pleasing you and bearing spiritual fruit. Lord, we cannot do so on our own strength, and so we pray that you would strengthen us by your Spirit, that we would patiently endure the difficulties of this life as we look forward to our eternal inheritance. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.